Welcome to Talking Benjamins with your host, Benjamin. Hey, welcome back to Talking Benjamins. Thank you for coming back. Um, also, this is, uh, without me knowing it, this ended up being a special Halloween edition. Um, uh, this is releasing the week of Halloween. And the Neelong Patel, who we spend a little bit of time together with today, uh, he, he tells his most interesting emergency room story. He's an emergency room physician. And um, that's where we get into a little Halloween action there. So... Um, buckle down for that. No cheating. No going straight to the end because there's so much that you would miss in between. He gets into, and I'm talking like this guy's, uh, Neelong, he's he, he's like Doogie Hauser. okay? He's like sculpted made of stone and super young looking and, you know, you know, Grey's Anatomy, he could, he could fit right in there, right? So he's, he is, uh, but I see Doogie Hauser because this guy got through school at a lightning pace. He goes into that story. So today we are talking about making Benjamins and what it takes to, to get into that position, especially from a, um, a physician standpoint with med school, things like that. He really fast-tracked it. Not only did he fast-track it, but we get in also to um, you know how he did that. But as well, so many uh, people, not just physicians, but so many people end up with uh, loads of student debt. And, um, you know, the way I look at his past is, uh, you know, he, he really ended up with a WORK scholarship. And what I mean by that is, because we, when we first met a few years ago, um, again, we meet with a lot of people that are in his position in my firm. And he didn't it was not in the same financial position as as the other physicians that were finishing up residency that we'd seen in the past we're like wait a second what's going on your tax return looks a lot better than most residents tax returns um what are you doing you know you don't have these mountains of debt what is going on um, and like i said w-o-r-k this guy knows how to grind we'll get into his story how he made it happen he is a machine uh, Neelong Patel, uh, he also goes into um, his, a little bit of his investment history, some things he's failed in, things he's had successes with, and really his overall view and take on investing now and things that he really appreciates and likes. Um, and we end up, of course, with a little happy Halloween story. Uh, I shouldn't say happy Halloween. We'll just call it a Halloween story because <laughs> it is happening in an ER. <laughs> But uh, I hope you guys enjoy. But before we get to the action, uh, we need to get back to the golden voice again. Disclosure time. The purpose of this podcast is to entertain and inform, not to make any recommendations for you personally. So even if you think something you hear on this podcast is a good idea for you, don't do it. Consult a licensed professional that can work with you personally. All right. So this time, without further ado... I'm trying to think if there's any ado's. Nope. Let's get into it. Neelong Patel, thank you so much. Um, let's have some fun. Are you reading that so right I'll now? Just chill. Reading what? David and Goliath. Um, it's kind of like your four-hour workweek book. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, well, funny story. So this is this is the way it kind of rolls in my house, right? Is that uh, like I'll be reading a book. And I've always got like a handful of books, right? I'll have like a fiction, a nonfiction. Sure. And that was a book I was reading and I started reading it on vacation um, or like a work trip I was on or whatever. And I, I blew through like a big chunk of it. It's fascinating. Um, and then I continued to read it at home. I put it on my nightstand. Yeah. And when my nightstand starts to get cluttered, my wife declutters it. And basically what that means is she takes the books that's on my nightstand and she puts them in the cabinet underneath the nightstand. <laughs> and when that happens, and I never open yeah. that cabinet. You know, and so when that happens, it's like the book disappears. Correct. And I'm like, oh, where's that? It's around here somewhere. And then I end up starting to read another book. And so I am I'm about three quarters of the way through that book because it disappeared on me and I just found it the other day. And I was like, oh, I need to finish that. There's Dude, some good stories in there. I'm the same way. Like uh, I have so many books on my nightstand my computer desk and uh you know they're just there for accessibility you just want to see it you just want to see the cover um, <laughs> it reminds you to, i should read yeah to remind you <laughs> that you should be reading but when you can't see them it's uh it's kind of hard to access yeah. 
What's like, your favorite book? My favorite book, um, I gotta say, The Alchemist. Yeah. Yeah, The Alchemist dude, is. I've never read that. Oh, dude. Everybody's talked about it, and I feel like it was one of those books in high school that I might have read the Cliff Notes on. Okay. <laughs> I never, <laughs> I think, I, I think spark notes was out by the time. Uh, yeah. But it's a Coelho, it's a Brasileiro, a Brazilian guy, right? It's uh Paulo Coelho. Yes. Yeah, I Paulo. think it's been translated in like, Paulo Coelho. yeah, 200 plus languages. Right. That's Paul the rabbit, by the way. What's up? Paul the rabbit. Paul the rabbit. Yeah. Is it's, that, this is his last name translated. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I, had, I had a Portuguese professor in, in college his name is Roberto Chavez. Uh-huh. And so he's like, you can call me Bobby Keys because... That's a very smooth name. Yeah. He, he thought so, too. He was it's proud a very of it. smooth name. He's like, well, now I'm in America, so I can go by Bobby Keys because Chavez is Keys. So, Chavez, that's right. So he thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I like the alchemist because uh, I think we all have... Um, we can all relate to the protagonist, uh, Santiago, as he, like... Uh, goes through his world it's you know he sees signs and he kind of follows the signs of um, the universe is giving to him and I guess once he's in tune to it he's able to um, realize his personal legend which is basically what he he calls it personal legend Um, what it means is your highest form so the biggest uh, your strongest form so I think everyone has that everyone just has to get attuned to it you know so that's why i love that book it's i think it's a fast read you can do it in like two or three days thanks for your confidence (laughs) (laughs) no but that's like the greatest summary of anybody like i'm stoked to read the book now yeah i think whoever hears this they're gonna be like i haven't read the alchemist or they'll be like benjamin hasn't read the alchemist what's wrong with him everybody's read the alchemist yeah it's a great and their book, life man. is driven maybe my life is just lacking a little bit more because i haven't read the book yet so yeah no it's uh it's a good one man i guess categorically i mean technically that's a it's a fiction right but it's a fiction heavily book. heavily laden with lessons yes um it's one it, of those um books that just pours wisdom as you yeah. read it very high yield sweet yeah what's your favorite non-fiction book Nonfiction book. It would probably probably be uh, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Nice. Yeah, the Compound Effect. What 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 that <clears throat> book ultimately uh, describes is kind of working extremely hard and then compounding your um, success. Uh, so utilizing your time correctly. Um, it also just kind of, uh, debunks a lot of myths that we, we as humans, um, think the world is like, but it'll like, for example, I kind of took his advice and like, I can give you a, um, correlation like I'm at work and whenever it gets slow in the ER, um, I pull out a book and I start reading. So that's an example of compounding your time. So you're getting paid on the clock and now you're reading. So technically you're getting paid to read at that point, whatever that is. Right. Right. So when it gets extremely busy, I'm able to pull out my arsenal of, you know, competence and test out my skills. And that's another form. So when it gets slow, I read when it gets fast um, and busy, I'm able to test out my skills. So, um, that's why I love working. You know awesome. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. See, I always felt that way about, uh, <laughs> when I was in college, the, uh, the guys that worked at the computer labs Yeah. and I'd get there and I'd like be holding out my ID, like, Hey dude, swipe my ID. And they're like, kind of hold their finger up. Like, hold on. I'm almost done reading this section. You know, <laughs> I'm like, that dude's getting paid to read. So and also, um, I've seen TV shows though. There, there can't be time to read in the ER. Uh, <laughs> I'm extremely efficient. Let's say that. <laughs> um, no, another, another great book. I just finished it like two weeks ago. <clears throat> it is called the 10 X rule by Grant Cardone. Oh yeah. It's, it's basically, I don't know. It's uh, when you finish that book, you're like, man, I've been thinking small all these years. 
And that's the key to success, right? It's just uh, just kind of making your um, space bigger, whatever that is. Do everything bigger. Uh, and he, you know, uh, the author, he likes to use the 10x rule, which is <clears throat> do everything 10 times more, whatever. Work hard 10 times more. Earn more income 10 times more. That should be your goal. So you're always uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. Um, I think we're just, as humans, we, I guess, are taught by society. We're hammered uh, this notion of you can attain whatever, attain your goal and then stop there and just relax and, you know, chill on a beach or something. But that's not that's not the way, you know, Uh, it's about expanding, getting bigger and bigger and bigger at any instant. So I really like that book. No, yeah. I, no, I love those books. I like shift your mindset. Yeah, like have an aha. And yeah. have you uh, read it? I've not read. It. I, it's, <laughs> not, in, it's on my queue, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, it's like, I don't read apparently. Uh, <laughs> but like now you have no, three books, right? That's right. You have I'm three sad. books to read. So, okay, cool. But um, no, but the uh, but just that whole premise of of uh, just when your mind shifts, right? Where because kind of like you said, it's like okay, this is this is what I want. This is what I want to achieve. But then you learn more, and you're like, oh no! But then that becomes bigger. Where if you can just start big, um, you know, you're you're already ahead. And that's that's actually one of the yes. things where I'm like, I need to interview Neilong Patel because <laughs> I met you for the first time. You're like 28 years old, Dude. and so and I work with a lot. Of, I work with a handful of ER physicians, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. And um, you know, and they're all coming out of residency and stuff, and they're like 34, 33, sure. 35. And I meet you, and you're like, yeah, I'm wrapping up residency, and um, not only are you wrapping up residency, right? And we're not going to get into your finance or anything, but needless to say, from a work standpoint, um, in looking at your residency uh, tax return, it was a lot different than other residency tax <laughs> returns I had seen, where I'm like, what the heck? You like got paid by like a doctor when you were in residency. Uh, yeah, my third year, I moonlighted a ton. So. Man, and I'm like, it, but <clears throat> and it kind of, and on top of that, you were like 28. Uh, yes, correct. When I, we first met. I graduated when I was 27 from... Uh, the Baylor College. Uh, I did my emergency medicine residency there. So you're basically <clears throat> like Doogie Howser. Uh, <laughs> I think he was. I think he's actually younger than I was. But well, tell me how. So, um, so but let's let's kind of go back a little bit in that in that realm to kind of get a grasp on that. Where, um, well, I don't know. Like you're a kid. Like, do you want to be a doctor? Is that, that so? <clears throat> you know, when I was a kid, I was just a go getter. I like to. I wanted to be the best at whatever I did and I wanted um, something high yield and that would kind of, you know, continually challenge me. And, you know, I guess, you know, there are so many fields you can, uh, you know, pick, but, you know, medicine just came into my lap and I, you know, realized I was like, hey, you know what, it's pretty good security, you're helping the community. and you know, being a doctor is pretty bad, so might as well j- choose that route. It was it was kind of like that. It wasn't like a like call- this, this is like ten year old knee long thing. Yeah, this, it right? wasn't it wasn't a calling or anything. You know, it's, right. uh, I never actually had the calling of uh, a field yet. Maybe I still have. Maybe it's still gonna come to me. But uh, I love my job. I love working in the ER. It's. Uh, you know, it brings out my creativity. It brings out my um, efficiency as well. So I, I feel very, very sharp when I'm on shift. So very cool. Yeah. And now your path to get there at such a young age. Yes. So I mean, did you graduate high school early? How, how's that look? No. So I was uh, I graduated at 18 from high school, but I went to a an accelerated six-year BAMD program in Kansas City. So. How many, it, how many of those are there in the country? I think there's only one. There's yeah. only one in the United States now, and that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was, you know, I'm not up to date on my um, knowledge about that, but when I first applied, it was like the only one. Gotcha. What is, I mean, are we talking like stiff competition? Oh, yeah, that's the cream <laughs> of the cream. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh it's yeah, it's, so uh, it's like it's like battleground high yeah. school, uh, you know, magna I mean, cum laude. All these guys were go getters, man, and I like that. You know, I was exposed to <clears throat> a very tough crowd, and because everyone was studying, everyone was trying to get the best scores, 
So, you know, being exposed to that early on kind of shaped my discipline. And, and I, and I tell everyone this, I'm like, you know, I actually was blessed to go to this six year program. I know I, you know, I lost two years and I shaved off two years of the, you know, quote unquote, best times of your life, right? Right. whatever, right? Quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I did learn discipline and, you know, I use, I use all those, um, pearls of discipline all the time, even, even now. And that's why I work so hard. And I feel, um, I feel very relaxed. I feel happy. You know, I go to the gym, I work more than usual. I sleep and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sense of peace, which I like. Very cool. So no, no burnout for you, huh? I think burnout is, uh, it's a made up term. Uh, I think it's burnout is it. I don't think anyone gets burned out doing the work because most of the time going to work is just showing up and going through the motions. The burnout happens if you're not uh, keen on your finances or if you're not, um, you know, have some social skill, right? You have to be nice to people at work. You have to uh, appreciate what's, uh, what the staff is doing for you. So you have to have a couple of those tools to get by. So the burnout actually occurs, um, extra career, whatever it is at home or whatever. So, um, I think it's very important to just focus on that. Gotcha. Now from the level of work that you're doing and just to kind of give an idea, how many, because typically ER physicians work in shifts, right? Correct. Is it 12-hour shifts? You know, my, uh, the hospital I'm working at is they do 10-hour shifts. So um, usually the shifts go from 8, 10, or 12s. And 10, gotcha. I think, is perfect. Now I'm just wondering who picks up the four-hour shift. <laughs> <laughs> You get a a couple of air physicians working a couple tens. Like, who's hanging out for four hours? I would love to pick up that four hour shift. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. But, um, so you got these, how many shifts you work a month? Um, right now I'm at, you know, averaging 16 to 18. Yeah. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. What's your typical ER physician do? What's the typical ER physician do? Mm -hmm. Um, in the hospital or outside the hospital? (laughs) <laughs> like shift shift wise i was thinking like oh shift wise oh working i would say you know full time is about 12 to 14 12 to 14 yeah gotcha gotcha yeah so you're picking a few extra days definitely but the way i see it is what the hell am i going to do with those 14 days off you know <laughs> I, I totally i feel you man like I, what the heck am yeah. i going to do there's so much time and that's where the burnout doesn't come in right where if you if you learn to to, to love to work and not be a workaholic, right? Not so it consumes other things that are important in your life. Correct. But, but if you're, if you learn to love to work, I mean, yes, you're, you're not, uh, it's, it's totally a skill. Correct. I think it's, um, it's a mindset too. You have to align yourself even before you go to work, you have to align yourself and accept your fate. Like I am going to work and I'm going to do a great job. So if you align yourself in your mentalities in line, I think uh, you've already won. Right. Very cool. Yeah. So outside of work, what's your extracurricular look like? Uh, I go to the gym a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's huge, folks. We, we don't have a video here, but uh, look on Instagram. The guy is like, he, he's like a, uh, you know, it's a he's, he's basically like Chris, you know, Indian Chris Helmsworth. Helms no, right? no way, dude. No way. Not even close. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a great, uh, stress relief. I like it's motivational. It's again, it comes back to discipline, right? Um, you can easily say, Hey, I'm too, I'm too tired to go to the gym. You can make excuses all day, but you got to fight it. You have to fight it. Gotcha. I really think he's talking to me right now. <laughs> no, I think I'm talking to myself. Because <laughs> I did not fight it yesterday morning. I went for a nice little, you know, wake up, 30-minute jog on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday was like, oh. oh you can do it, man. I know. I just I needed to fight. It. I had to fight it. Like, uh, I woke up this morning. Um, <clears throat> I think I got a 12-hour slumber yesterday. 
and I woke up at two in the morning and the first thing I did was, okay, I need to hit the gym. So I went to the gym at two in the morning, um, got out around four, took another nap and I'm here. So you like one of those guys that straight up, um, I mean, because you, you like, I mean, are, are you your own lab? If that makes sense. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, like, so I got a handful of friends that, I mean, cause some people work out and then other people are like, I'm going to track everything, every single macro micro that enters my body. And I'm going to try it like this for a little bit. And, and then go get my body fat tested and my muscle mass and X, Y, and Z. So I'm a, I'm a hybrid, I would say yeah. <clears throat> somewhere in between. I do, uh, track my macros on a, you know, generally I don't track every single one, but I have a pretty good idea of how much I'm, how much protein I'm getting, how much fat, um, I'm ingesting and carbs, right? It's, it's basically a mathematical formula. It comes down to, you know, four calories per gram of carbohydrates and proteins, uh, seven, four, you know, the guys that drink beer. <laughs> so you got to track your beer intake too. You got to track everything, right? right. Um, the alcohol is seven calories per one gram. And then also it's nine calories per a gram of fat. So that's why it's super important to try to not ingest the, uh, the fat in your foods. Cause it's, it's, uh, what two, 200% higher than carbs and proteins. All right. So it's, uh, it's good to just ingest For me, it's, <clears throat> I, I eat a lot of high carb and high protein foods. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I think you got to figure it out. <laughs> Just keep, just keep doing what you're doing. Right. It looks like you're doing all right. Awesome, man. What else? Uh, so, what else you got going on outside besides? Uh, I mean, what other hobbies besides working out? Uh, so, I'm actually in business school right now. Really? Yes. What? Uh, which business school? I'm at uh, UT Tyler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something new every single time. <laughs> I'm digging it. So, all right. So, working 18 shifts, um, staying in shape, and going to business how many credits are you taking it's it's an accelerated program so of course six six, not, hour, six, uh, six year undergrad in med school <laughs> <laughs> why, why take I'm, time with i'm not little sure old business school i just what i do is i just take it uh, one semester at a time i don't really I don't, I don't keep track of the credits or anything gotcha i do graduate in the summer so i'm pretty stoked about that what's your so technically what's the degree it's an mba it's just forget <laughs> So you're just straight up doing your MBA. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Just, you know, it's for me, I always, I'm the guy that has, and I've been taught and I've learned it uh, to have multiple exit strategies. Even if things are going well, you need an exit plan for anything you do. So, um, this is one of those exit strategies. I may not use it, um, but it's there and I can pull it out whenever I want. Gotcha. Have you, I mean, so have you dabbled in business or are you looking at like hospital administration business? I mean, that's a, that's totally, um, a possibility and I wouldn't do it now, but you know, maybe in 10 years, right? 10 to 15 or so. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, have you ever run any other businesses or been involved in business at all? I haven't run my own business, not yet, um, but I do real estate on the side, oh, right of course. On. So Shoot, I guess, like, that. and that's what I tell people: if they want to get like directly involved in real estate, right? Yes, it's part time job. It's totally a part time job. Like, even if you're like, oh, but I'm gonna have a property manager and this that, and this. yeah, but the property manager calls you. Like, sure. you got to tell the property manager, yes, what you want, so on and so forth. But yeah, uh, for me, it's um, I do have property managers for my um, investment homes. And it does take a lot of work, but you know, I've already, I'm at the point where whenever they send me an email and they're like, Hey, we got to fix the plumbing or we got to fix the AC. I'm like, yep, go ahead. Just do it. That's right. Stop telling me. Yeah. Just do it. it. I'd rather be on the ball than uh, neglecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. man. Now, very cool. So what, uh, so you're building a real estate portfolio, right? Yes. Grant Cardone, 10x role. Oh what, yes. What's your what's your what's your vision of where you want that to go? Um, basically, it's infinite, right? So once you enter the real estate game, you never kind of get out, right? <laughs> so I mean, st- I think starting and getting into it is the toughest um, 
toughest step. Yeah. And once you kind of get the ball rolling, uh, I don't think the ball ever stops. Interesting. So because you're, you know the keys, you know what mm-hmm. moves to make, you know how to use leverage, you know how to use debt correctly. Um, you just know those things and then you just get bigger, right? So for example, as you said, 10X rule, you just get into bigger deals, you know, less frequent deals, but bigger and bigger deals. So it never stops. You're going to have a skyscraper with your name on someday. <laughs> Trust me, I'm, I'm extremely small right now, yeah. but I mean, <clears throat> I'm trying to get the, I think uh, it's nice to just get the platform and the map. Right. Most people don't even have the map. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to be reading um, all these books that are available out there for everyone. It's cheap, you know, it's 15 yeah. bucks a book, whatever. But if that 15 bucks makes you a millionaire one day, it's, right. uh, it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Try to read as much as possible. And that reminds me of, um, I was listening to a podcast, of course, how ironic, right? Um, and, uh, I can't remember who it was. I hate it when people quote people, they don't know who it is. <laughs> so maybe I could just say, this is what I say. Um, but, but the whole premise was cause back in the day, like, so you take, uh, I love studying about a, old school, some of these old school Titans, right? Like Andrew Carnegie. Sure. Right. Immigrant comes over and, um, literally from, from nothing. And it becomes one of the wealthiest men in America. Of course. Um, and then he's like, Oh, well, wow. I've amassed a lot of wealth. What do I do now? Um, and he, and he saw the lack of information, lack of education. And he went, um, and every once in a while, you, if you're paying attention and, and you're like us and we road trip through like just podunk straight up places, yep. you come across these old, um, probably 50 by 50, um, stone buildings and they're Carnegie libraries. That's insane. So in these small towns, I remember we drove through one in Smithfield, Utah of all places. Very cool. And there's, and there's this old Carnegie library that was, that was built at the turn of the century because it was kind of to your point, right? People didn't have access to the data. People didn't have access to knowledge. And so he's like, what can I do to help people have the same experience I had? Exactly. I can get them access to that knowledge. So he went to all the most obscure places that don't have access to the knowledge and he he created that. But now, right, it's almost absurd to say that we don't have access to knowledge. It's it's easy, man. We live in a very easy time and there's no excuse. Yeah. And even if you don't have a cell phone, walk into a public library. I mean, there's, there's so much, I mean, borrow your friend's cell phone and Google for a little bit, right? Right. There's so much access to knowledge. And, uh, but this quote that I was talking about is, you know, if, 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 because it used to be that knowledge was the limiting factor, right? Correct. And, you know, if now knowledge was the limiting factor, then, you know, we'd all be billionaires with six packs, right? <laughs> and we're not. Right. I think uh, what we're in a very inundated society right now. There's so much noise, you know. Um, it's it kind of right now, I guess, the people that are able to filter out the noise correctly and appropriately are turning into the successful ones. So, like... <clears throat> There's just so much news pounded at you at every single time and you, or every every single second. And also, like on your phone, you get notifications whenever someone texts you or notifications whenever you get an email or some random app you installed wants to give you a coupon for something. Dude, I just turned off all notifications on my phone. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even check my phone anymore. Um, maybe every hour or so. You did text max. me this morning at 3 a.m. You know that, right? <laughs> I was probably doing my sets at, at the gym. That's funny. So uh, Neelong's a vampire just for the, uh, no, but you, you work all different kind of times. Um, so your sleep schedule is oh, kind another, of another book. Out. I wanted to, yeah, yeah. uh, it's, a. I think the book is called disciplines. Discipline equals freedom by Jocko Willink. Oh, um, nice. He's a, but he, Jocko Willink. Yeah. You ever heard him? <laughs> no, I've not heard him. Cause the guy like can kill people with his bare hands. And if you hear him, yeah. he sounds like a guy that can kill people with his bare hands. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, he has the, this book, um, it was a field manual. And in that book, I, I love the, the, t- uh, what he wrote on one page. It was, uh, all warriors wake up 
pre-dawn to go work out um, before the light or something like that. And that um, that statement kind of stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? I like working out at three, in the, at three or four in the morning. It's an empty gym. It's just me. Um, I can be as barbaric as, you know, I can yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get it, get it over with, you know, yeah. um, and you start your day and you're like, man, I already feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the biggest, um, obstacle, um, out of my day and now it's going to be a good day. Yeah. No, so. I hear that, that is why I love, I'm an early bird. I love waking up early. Yes. Cause if, you know, if I know that I'm up before everybody else, or at least 99% of the people, right? And they're all sleeping. I can, I can be, a, I mean, there's a lot of places your day can go, right? Some yep. screw ups here and there, or this, that, or the other. But you start by winning, right? Yes. Because you're going and you're doing, and everybody else is sitting in bed. Correct. You start right. by winning. I like that. But, uh, it's all about action. Yeah, man. I kind of took you off your, uh, I know we went down that trail. I, I took you off the, uh, I kind of want to return to the, the, the real estate thing. Sure. Sure. Uh, Sorry about that. Cause I struggle. So I, I own real estate as well on it, but it's one of those things where I'm, I'm always kind of have this struggle between, cause you get the system, you understand and understand it yes. and you're like, okay, well then I still have a lot to learn, but right. Um, but, but you get into this place where it's like, if you get good deals and if you get your financing straight, um, and you don't over leverage, right but you can continue to leverage upon leverage upon leverage. Correct. And it can be this never ending process um, where this other side of my brain, where I just want to do that and run, run, run. Right. This other side of my brain is like, uh, but it really would be nice to run run, run to a point and then start (laughs) snowballing and then pay everything off and then start throwing it into um, trust for my kids. Sure. Right. Sure. And so uh, that's the number. The number that you want to reach and then you call it quits at that point. Yeah, but that's the hard part, right? Because yeah. the, the Grant Cardone's 10X when I think, okay, well, yeah, my number's, my number's $10,000 a month, right? Yes. But then you get there and you're like, no, I'm not done yet. Well, I've made it this far. Well, why don't I go a little further? Correct. Correct. So, at that point, it'll be fun for you. Right. Um, because you've unshackled yourself from <clears throat> um, the obligations of work. So once you unshackle yourself, you start becoming uh, your true form pretty much because you're not obligated to do anything. And you start realizing, you know what, I'm going to allocate all my time to things I'd, I like to do. And <clears throat> and real estate's fun, man. So it is. That's why these guys just do real estate on the side for yeah. fun. And that's the thing. And so when people get because it's either one or two, you either love or hate it. Yeah. Because people go and they'll stick their foot in and they'll be like, this is not fun. I will get out and like, you can invest it's, in real estate some not, other way. I think it's uh, not fun initially because there's so many terms. There are so many numbers you have to kind of un- unravel. But, right. uh, you know, once you look at it for a little bit, uh, you start to understand what the numbers mean. Like, you know, debt to equity ratios. And, right. Um, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the I love the value add side of it too. Yes, and even this place we're sitting in, right? I mean, this uh, Hurricane Harvey put this place six feet underwater. Right, uh, had a, incredible loved ones and friends. They all came in and helped tear stuff out, and this thing was studs, dude. Busted windows. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it looks beautiful. I like what you guys did. That I was really what I was going for. I was fishing for a compliment. So. <laughs> Fishing for a compliment as we're looking at a fish tank. <laughs> the fish tank that you can see through the conference room into the foyer. Um, but, uh, nice. but no, but that's part of it, right? And so, it, but the, you know, just putting putting the, the team together to, now I can sit down and I can be in the office and I can be like, that looks kind of nice. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. You know? Um, you know, but same thing, you know, you buy a crappy little fourplex or eightplex and, yep. and you increase the value of it cause you can increase rents, but you also increase the, you know, you're able to beautify it and, and that helps the community too. Correct. So, but it's and, fun. There's so many things about it that are fun. And there are things you can do, even if you're not a savvy real estate investor, um, there are things you can do, um, you know, you know, mortgages versus HELOCs and all that. Um, it's just super important to realize how mortgages actually work. You know, it's the banks don't tell you this. Uh, you have to do your own research on how it actually works. Um, and how home equity line of home equity line of credits work. 
H-E-L-O-C's HELOCs. Um, and I am a big proponent of HELOCs. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just important to do, your, to do your due diligence and how do interest, wa- interest rates work in mortgages. <clears throat> so like, for example, um, a normal 30-year fixed mortgage the first 10 years of that loan, uh, the bank is making the majority of the inter- uh, the payments in sure. interest. So I'm like, man, that's that's insane, right? No, I feel the same so, way. I like, why is the bank not bending over backwards for me? Because <laughs> I send them $800 a month, right? Like, yeah, that's insane. And like, of my 1100 payment, here's yeah, 800. So after so after 10 years, that's when I think 10 to 15 years or, or something like that. Uh, where you actually put more money into principal than the bank gets an interest on the monthly payments you're making. So after 10 years, that's a long time. So, and the problem with paying early, let's say you want to give, you know, $1,000 checks every month on, uh, into your principal. The problem with that is you're not, it's not turning into increased cash flow for you. So those are, that's an important term because you're just losing that 1000 for the next 30 years, right? Whatever that is. Um, line of credits work in a different way where it works off a simple interest. And when you make extra payments, your, you will realize that your monthly payment drops every day because, uh, the simple interest works, um, to calculate at the end, I think by midnight it recalculates it immediately. So if you put a one thousand dollar payment into, um, let's say you have a loan amount of one hundred thousand, the next day it's ninety nine thousand. So your monthly payment will be off of the ninety nine thousand. If you do that over years, you will see your monthly payment drops drastically. So, right. so you're actually getting a cash flow cash flow benefit. <clears throat> Um, versus making extra payments to a, you know, a thirty-year fixed mortgage, All right. which is insane. Yeah. So I don't, I try not to do uh, mortgages at all. I try to convert them into line of credit. If I can't, if I can't get a line of credit, um, I will try to obtain the mortgages first and then convert them later at a later time, probably three or four, th- three or four years later. Gotcha. So you've always put a lot of thought into this. What, uh, yeah. um, from an investing standpoint, I mean, you're obviously involved in business and, um, what, uh, and maybe this goes back to the 10 X rule around. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts from a, um, and again, this is one of the things that's always intrigued me about you, right? Is your vision of, of, um, what you want to build, what you want to create, yes. um, where you see yourself going. Um, so you're investing in real estate. What other what other forms of investing intrigue you? <clears throat> I love life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I think the majority of my investments go into life insurance. Um, you know, like it, it always comes back to these two sets of words. You know, you have cash flow. You know, if you focus on those two words um, and align yourself and align all your finances with that. You won't make any mistakes. I mean, you will make mistakes, but at a less, uh, less frequently than you would without understanding it. Right. Um, and there are other, another two sets of words called principal protection. And that's what, uh, life insurance gives you. So if you focus on those two sets of words, um, I think you'll be golden. Gotcha. So, um, the way life insurance is, I think it's, I think it's a no brainer. Um, everyone should have some form of life insurance, um, especially, uh, uh, an indexed life insurance, index universal life, IULs. What happens is, you know, most people don't know about this, but, um, when the market does well, you participate in the gains, um, up to, of course, a certain cap, whatever, 13, 14%, but I'm okay. If the market goes up 20, I'm okay with the 14%, right? But, <clears throat> everyone, I want to be able to sleep at night too. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I don't want that 2008 coming back, well, but I didn't have any money in the market in 2008. Right. right. I was a kid, but I don't want that happening now. That would be disastrous. Mm-hmm. But, um, because I have a lot of my money in life insurance, 
I know that even if the crash comes, um, you cannot lose a dime um, when the market falls below 0%. So I love the fact that life insurance guarantees you your principal. So you're able to participate in the gains, but you don't lose a dime when the market drops. Gotcha. And from a future standpoint, when I'm thinking of you again, this, uh, uh, I like, you know, I feel like I should offer you a job, <laughs> but <laughs> I can't match, I can't match your salary. I apologize. <laughs> so, but, uh, maybe later, but, uh, maybe, maybe when work is optional and you're like, I can do anything I want to, I'm, I'm going to go work with Sure, man. I'd love to work with you. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, no, but also, I mean, as far as that principle goes, um, uh, you know, especially the the way that you feel about financing and your big leverage guy. Yeah. I mean, sure. how, how do you leverage, you know, most appropriately and, and, um, you know, but once, once those policies mature as well, you, you might not ever have to tap a bank. Correct. You know what I'm so, so you, you that's can, another, you, that's right. another book. That's another book. Um, they call the infinite banking concept by, I forgot his name, but it's an, Basically, <clears throat> if you start your life insurance now and it continues to grow, the cash value grows in your life insurance. What happens is you'll have this massive amount of cash value by the time you're whatever, 60, 70 or 50, 60, whatever. And you can use, you don't have to use the bank ever again. You can use your life insurance policy as your own bank. And you can do that, um, you know, the earlier you start, the more you will have later. So um, I have that map as well. The map is planned out. Dude, you're a man with a plan. <laughs> so, and another thing, so I, and, and I'll share this story at some point on the podcast um, during sure. story time because before our interview, we actually had story time. Oh, really? I'm, I'm all about history and story times, and we'll even use modern-day stories. Sure. But, um, you know, Walt Disney, though, like, if, if you've ever been to Disney World, and uh-huh. you're like, I like Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah, he bought that off life insurance, yeah, man. right? He took his life insurance, because he'd made some money already, <clears throat> right? And um, yeah. he'd made some cartoons, so on and so forth. And he's like, I want to I want to do it. This theme parks didn't exist, but I want to do this theme park, and it's like well, that's kind of stupid and crazy. That's amazing. You know, it's very, very like Field of Dreams esque. Right? Oh yeah, if you Dude, build I it, they will. Movie. Yeah, if you build it, they will come. Right? Freaking love. I, so, I get goosebumps thinking about that. Yeah, movie. it's awesome. <laughs> and so you know, so he builds this. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and part of it is like you know you go shopping for banks, and they're like, no, that's stupid. And sure enough, man, we yeah. we all enjoy Disney World now. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the thing about, I mean, the thing about life insurance, man, it's, um, there are a couple of key things that are amazing about it. You know, of course, number one, principal protection, number two, it annuitizes your life later on. So you can actually pull the cash value in like into an annuity plan and it's the cash value continues to grow. Um, and then number three, um, let's see, I, I want to make sure I leave something for my family. Right. Uh, I'm all about legacy planning um, because all my work right now, it needs to translate into something when I leave. Right. And I want to make sure that's there. Like I've, I imprinted on the world somehow. Right. Right. So, so that it gives you legacy, you know, like for example, that, that, that death benefit is astronomical whenever you die. And it, and you're, you know, for a fact, your family will be taken care of. Um, I don't think any other vehicle provides all three, uh, of those key concepts into one. Right. So <clears throat> I want to make sure my family does well. So we're sitting here talking about legacy family. Can you, can you tell us how old you are, Neelon? <laughs> I'm 30 years old. All right. <laughs> Oh, I love it, man. I love it. Oh, and oh, another thing about life insurance, man, because I'm on this life insurance kick. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can take policy loans. Right. Policy loans. So it's insane how this works because it kind of gets me excited just thinking about it. Um, you can basically take a loan from your cash value whenever that is, um, whenever you're able to. I think it's after 15, 20 years. You can take a loan from your cash value. And you can purchase whatever, whatever you want to do, real estate, uh, a car, whatever. And the thing about 
that the cash value grows as if you didn't take the loan. <laughs> right. If it's, if it's a participating loan, if it's a participating loan, right. but the cash value grows as if you did not take the loan out. So, uh, that is, um, that's magic right there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. And, and that's, uh, you know, especially, and really if there's cash value there for you to access, you can, you can access it. And, and, um, you know, especially if you plan on like if it's a car loan, quote unquote car loan, yeah. right. Um, you know, interest rates can go up to whatever, 15%. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, sure. um, you can leverage your capital instead of going out and spending $60,000 on a, on a nice vehicle. Exactly. Um, you can just, uh, loan yourself $60,000. And now part of that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, getting back to principles, you know, especially when we talk about investing, you know, it's impossible to invest if you spend more than you make. So <laughs> the first principle is don't spend more than you make. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously, exactly. Uh, obviously Neil Long's been doing a, 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 a dang good job at that. But, um, the, don't uh, dude, I've made a lot of mistakes too. Yeah. Uh, yes. I've lost a lot as well. And I oh, see now I'm super curious. <laughs> right. So if, if, if you can like, if we can air a little, just I've a done, little dude, bit of dirty I've, laundry here with dude, I've what, done a lot of options trading. I've done a lot of IPO investing, man. I've what's, lost. What's your biggest financial freak man, snafu? I invested in the Fitbit IPO. I thought I was going to go and I thought I was going to take it because I saw like, what did it open at? Like I think it 12, opened at 27, 27, 27 and went up to 40. I invested at 37. Now it's at five, five or six. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, dude, I was, I was so depressed. What, when, uh, they continue to have, I think they had secondary public offering. I'm like, why are you guys doing? No, don't water down my shares. (laughs) I hate you. So I've realized it's with all these losses and everyone goes through them, right? It's just, um, you're going to feel horribly, going through these losses, you're going to suffer for a little bit, but there is a lesson at the end of the day. And, um, so far, uh, it's molded me into a very conservative investor, but an aggressive convers- uh, conservative investor. Right. I'm very aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. The, uh, no, it's funny. That reminds me of, um, um, another client. He, he's got a little play account and him and his, his buddy who's a quadriplegic. Yeah. Um, they, they day trade, uh, pot stocks. Right. <laughs> and so if you've been following the news at all, you got like, um, you know, regulation that changed and whatever. And sure. And, um, and so a handful of pot stocks like Tilray, um, it just, and we're talking like stupid, stupid money, right. We're like, uh, you know, it, it IPO'd earlier this year at whatever, 12 bucks. And now it's, you know, 240 or it, it's come down from there, I think, but it's, it was like, it went up 122% in one day. Then the following day went up 45%. And, um, but anyway, I, I was sitting with this client and his, his buddy just texted him cause this was the day uh-huh. that, um, it had shot up 122% and his buddy, cause nobody knew the regular, you know, nobody knew the regulation was going to change unless you really had your ear to the ground. But he, uh, um, but he had gotten out of it cause he had day trading these pod stocks, keeps close sure. on him, but he'd gotten out of it, um, two days earlier. And, he was like mortified that he'd missed out on this 122% jump. Right. And, but it's just funny cause my clients, he's a very handy oh, guy. I've, and he, I've, I've, uh, I have a worse story, but, man. Uh, but he, even he, uh, he, <laughs> but he, he texted him. He said, Hey dude, cause his buddy's a quadriplegic, right? And he's like, Hey man, can you do me a favor and come over here and build me a ramp up to my second story window so I can jump <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this day trading stuff, it's very yes. emotional, right? It's, it's very emotional. Like, try to get your, try to get the emotion out of it. Dude, I've had a even worse, um, uh, not a, not a loss, but a miss. I hate misses. So now I try to diversify into everything. Right. Um, you know, I bought Bitcoin at 200. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I bought Bitcoin at 200. Sell it? But I sold it. I sold it for you know because it went down to like hundred, and then on the way up, it it uh, you know it. I sold it at break even, and now it's at six thousand bucks, which is insane. That's a huge miss. But you know that's <laughs> it's a lesson, right? It's a lesson. Try to have a little bit in everything. Not yeah. don't over allocate into right. anything. See, 
um, I've learned um, the lessons of not over allocating because you can either miss or you can lose. Yeah. Might as well participate in most of the gains. So, gotcha. I hear you. (laughs) So, uh, obviously you're not the oldest person in the world, right? But, uh, but 30 years old and you've, you've learned plenty. Yes. If you had to look back and and teach your 18 year old self something about money, what would it be? Um, be inviting. I would tell him to invite money into your life. Um, I think because I, you know, I was raised in a middle-class family and, everyone around you is also, you know, happens to be middle class and, um, you know, the schools you go to and all that. And society just tells you money is evil or, um, you know, they, I guess they, when they see a rich person, they say that guy must be greedy or ruthless or whatever it is. So there's some negative talk about money growing up in society um i would tell my 18 year old self ignore it because money gives you the tools of becoming free so uh, you can do whatever the hell you want not very good yeah no there's there's definitely that uh there's I mean, definitely that overhang and it's so ironic too right because yes. all the things all the things that are daily comforts that we enjoy yes right it was that it was that jerk billionaire that exactly. paid for it. You know, you know what I mean? Or, exactly. There's or this, the, there. all the things we love are first consumed by right. the, the, the top. Yes. You know, freaking the Japanese guy just bought a ticket to the moon. Right. <laughs> did you see that? Like, no, I didn't. Okay, yeah, so this Japanese <laughs> in it for an undisclosed amount. Right. But he's a billionaire. I'm sure it's costing him hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And Elon Musk is going to fly this guy That's amazing. and a handful of buddies, uh, artists, he says, right. And a handful of artists, um, they're going to slingshot around the moon and come home. That's amazing. Right. And dude's paying for that. Uh, there's always somebody that's always forking out massive money on the front end of innovation. Yes. Cause they want to enjoy it because they have nothing else to do with their $6 billion. Right. It's like I have $6 billion. I mean, that's unfathomable. Yeah. I mean, you can only, I could buy a sports team. I could do whatever. Right. But then, you know, but I want to create, I want to fly to the moon. Yes. I think the biggest, the biggest obstacle is get over the jealousy. You know, um, when I see guys like the billionaires, like, uh, Jeff Bezos and you want to hear about Elon Musk I have you know there's a I think there was when you talk to people around there's a hint of jealousy with what they've accomplished and just try your best I would you know talk to your um, you know for your listeners and for even for the people I um, am close with turn that into admiration because there's a when you admire someone, you will uh, kind of absorb their energy. So whatever energy they're receiving, it will come to you if you admire them and admire their hard work. So I've, I've learned to admire those that are above me in the echelons. So gotcha. I just, uh, just try to learn as much as possible from people that are wealthier than you. I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a tadpole, you know, but I want to know what the sharks are doing. I want to know exactly what they're doing. And the only way to, um, become a shark is to admire one first. All right. Yeah. They don't be hanging out with you when you're 50. <laughs> Freaking, he's going to be the mag. <laughs> I dig it though, man. You, Neil, you're so Zen. I love it. I'm, 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 it's awesome, man. It's awesome. But, um, if, uh, is there anything else you want to share? I mean, as, as we kind of wrap up here, what, uh, if there's anything you could throw out to the world that, that if, if this podcast takes off and, and there's, you know, a million people downloading this, mm-hmm. what do you want to share with them? Filter out the bull. So there's going to be a lot of people, <clears throat> just society in general, um, that are going to come up to you. Um, they're going to try to bring down your spirits, you know, not in a direct way, 
or anything. Um, like for example, when you start working harder and harder and you start becoming, uh, wealthier, there are going to be things in society that try to put a check on you, ignore it. So, um, except for the IRS, <laughs> the IRS. don't ignore them, but they do try to put yeah. a check on you. Yes. So <laughs> just work as hard as possible. Um, try to, you know, Learn as much as possible. That's what I would say. Be open to learning and be open. Just welcome the the positive energies and don't let the negative energies bring you down. Yeah. That's what I would say. Awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're feeling the persecution, probably means you're on the right path. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. So. Um, I think society in general, I'm not blaming anyone or anything, but uh, they don't like to see... Um, anyone disturb their comfort and their way of living. So what I've realized is when society um, evaluates a person that's working double full time, um, buying real estate or whatever you're doing and you're killing it, you're going to the gym, all this, um, it shouldn't be a threat to their way of life. It should not be, but the thing is society responds in a way that that person is that person who's killing it you know working his off is a threat to their well-being because um i don't know what it is but uh that's how society responds it they take it as a threat and they kind of um outcast you at a point but for those people that are in that <clears throat> train, filter it out. And just continue on. You're on the right path. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, man, you inspire, you inspire me. You, I got nothing but love <laughs> for you. I can, I can I tell you that too, much. Man. I can tell you that much, man. Yeah. Hey, but thanks for coming on. Yes, and, of uh, course. <laughs> I'll do one last thing. I meant to ask you. Sure. Craziest thing you've ever seen in the ER. <sighs> man. That's a lot, man. Um, Probably it was on Halloween night and, uh, you know, I was working at Ben Top. Yeah, this is already effed up, right? <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm like, I'm like feeling the, uh, like, oh, Halloween at Ben Top. It's, bah, 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 it's coming. Oh my God. Yeah. Ben Top hospital for, uh, uh, for anybody yeah, that's in yeah. Houston, Texas and it's not. Yes. It's a level one trauma center in, uh, it's a little rough It's one of the busiest hospitals in the nation. And, um, you know, I was a resident there and on Halloween night, you know, I had, I think a couple patients come in uh, with missing digits, which is insane. And, you know, th there's a pattern here and I was like, what is going on? You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> like one after the next, oh, that yeah. guy missed a couple of fingers. Oh, yeah. that guy's missing. Like, what is going on? And, you know, and, and when I was performing my history and physical, uh, the history came out to be some guy with a hockey mask was, uh, you know, with a machete was cutting people's fingers off <laughs> or hacking like people's fingers off. Like the same party? Like, uh, I don't know. There's a guy with a hockey mask with a machete. That's insane. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. And then it, I'm trying to think of like, so is he like pinning their hand down on a chopping block? Cause you need some effort to right. put a hawk on those. So that, that is one story that I'll never forget. So when you have to, can you reattach somebody's finger? Not me, but, um, I mean, do you call someone? It's I mean, a, technically, you know, a hand surgeon. It? If it's very unlikely, but, uh, you know, some hand surgeons can fresh. They put the finger on ice and exactly. stitch it all back in, get the, uh, vessels it back just together. Depends on the blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy, dude. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, man. Cool. Thank you. All right, Ben. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Benjamins. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, it would be our pleasure to be followed at TalkingBenjamins1. That is at TalkingBenjamins, the number one. Also, you can find us at TalkingBenjamins.com for show notes and our blog. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed, we highly encourage you to leave a positive comment. If you didn't enjoy, feel free not to comment. And either way, out of the goodness of your heart, text someone the link to this episode if you think they would enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins.